Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. Hello listeners and welcome to the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. And we are coming to you live off the back of an unbelievable 2-0 win away at Cardiff in the playoff semi-final first leg. My name is Jack Collins and I am joined today by Mr. Drew Heatley. Hello. Mr. Adam Farcarson. Evening, Prince. And Ben Jarman. What's happening? Hello, everyone. What an evening. What an evening indeed. It has been quite special. Uh, I mean, let's take it from the top. AF, you're going to hit us with some three-word reviews and we'll go from there. I am indeed. So we've got at Taylor on Twitter with Hits the Playoffs with a wonderful picture of HMS Pistol League. Um, we've got at Cabold68 with the Riverside Ronaldo. Um, at Ross McSweeney with announced 811 formation, ready for the second <laughs> look. And Kate Ludlow on Instagram with I smell Wembley. Fantastic. And Wembley, one foot, shall we say, on Wembley Way. I mean, this is the playoffs and it would be, you know, too risky to count our chickens. But by God, Ben, Fulham have given themselves a hell of an advantage coming off the back of that. It's a huge platform, isn't it, ahead of Thursday? Two really good goals from Fulham, a really solid performance. And after, uh, I'd say, a little bit of a sketchy opening 25 minutes, a really, really solid and comfortable performance from Fulham. We managed all aspects of the game expertly. We grew into the game as it went on, especially after that drinks break. Two incredible goals from two players that we thought we would maybe not see the backup or we wouldn't see them past the end of this season. Uh, but they've had miraculous turnarounds, especially Niskins. Um, and Onoma's goal, channeling Maradona. Incredible technique. Drew, I want to take you back a couple of hours. Um, how were you feeling when you saw that starting lineup? Honestly, so it's funny, isn't it? We all know our, our record without Mitrovic is very healthy, but I, I shit my pants and I don't know why. <laughs> you know, we all started getting going all abuzz on the Fulhamish WhatsApp group and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I hadn't seen the tweet by the club where it was, a, a, quite frankly, quite a, a brutally honest assessment of what had happened. You know, we're, we're a club that are very cloak and dagger when it comes to the status of players whether they're injured or not and and Scott just comes out and tell, says what's happening but it doesn't then then that makes people think you know is he uh is there something a bit more you know going on behind the scenes but yeah I know in short I was um I was a bit scared um I don't know why I just think it caught me a bit off guard and but then as you sort of settle down and you start to think about it you remember we played Cardiff without Metro just two weeks ago or whatever it was and and then you start to sort, sort of think to yourself well actually we've we've seen this dress rehearsal and we know how we can play without Metro and you know the, the debate will come later I'm sure about his inclusion in the next leg but I, I just think that when you when you sort of calmed it down a little bit I was I was I was sort of quietly confident once again. AF, I think the stress came because the transfer window opened today and at first there was no explanation. Like Drew says, a little bit cloak and dagger and it was like, oh, hang on, what's going on here? The only kind of issue I think I still have and I still massively worry about is we know what the club are like when it comes to talking about injuries. And in this case, you can understand why they haven't released it in advance because it would give Cardiff a different game plan to plan for. But... When they say, oh, it's a little bit here and there, we're not sure if he's going to be back for the second leg, he could be out till Christmas, knowing knowing Fulham. Are you concerned that we might not see Mitrovic in the playoffs full stop? I was concerned uh, when I initially saw the club statement, but then when I kind of saw Parker interviewed as well, I don't think he necessarily has the best poker face, but he was saying, yeah, I think he might be back for Thursday. There'd be no reason for him to say that 
if it maybe wasn't a bit of a touch and go injury. Personally, I wouldn't read too much into it. I think it is just unfortunate timing. The transfer window opens today and then we find out about his injury. But they've obviously known, I think, about it for a few days because I saw a Swansea account tweeted yesterday, yesterday saying, is it true about Mitrovic's injury? Um, obviously, no one had retweeted it until today. Um, but they'd obviously seen something about it. Yeah, um, Ben, and we started actually quite badly and, and especially the ball kept pinging back towards Fulham's goal in a kind of sense that we looked looked for Mitrovic for that out ball. The ball wouldn't stick. We couldn't keep it. And, and Cardiff were on top of us, which was capped off by an incredible stop on the line from, from Michael Hector. Yeah, I think one of the things that has become a bit of a hallmark of Scott Parker's Fulham is that we're able to sort of play over the press with Mitrovic there. But when he's not, obviously, it becomes really, really difficult to do so. And Cardiff set out their stall pretty early. They were trying to get in and around those key players in the midfield and, and especially in the wide areas too. And that made it really, really difficult for us to, to retain the ball. And to be fair, they did the same to us um, in the first 25 minutes at Craven Cottage where Fulham again really started really, really poorly. They were they were on the back foot in, in the in the home game before the playoffs. And, and we saw a very similar turn of events. But after that drinks break, uh, we came into it. But beforehand, and as you rightly said, we were trying to get the ball into areas where we just couldn't retain it. And and we were going through the thirds way too quickly uh, in a in a manner where the whole team just really weren't confident with, with, the, with the tempo of play. And Fulham's play is at times perilously slow, but we needed it at that point just to take a breather. And as you say, that goal line clearance from Michael Hector is unbelievable. Uh, it ke- it keeps us in the game. If we'd let a goal in that early, you can see the heads dropping and maybe the tie goes a completely different way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Drew, we did come back stronger after the drinks break, but that said, it, it didn't look like Fulham had too much bite in the in attack. I know Kenny grazed the post and there was that chance for Josh Onoma, but they were glimmers, I think, as opposed to real free-flowing, clear-cut chances. And what did you think going into half-time? Because it was nil-nil and it all just felt a little bit flat, I think, from from my end. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I said in the WhatsApp updates that um, Josh and Neeskins were looking the most sort of uh, potent attacking threats that we had, but there was no sort of guilt-ed chances. But I think we've seen it so often this season where we've we've sort of weathered, not even necessarily weathered, we've, we weather varying degrees of various storms in the first half. And if we can get it to level at the break, I think that we really do come into our own in the second half sometimes when, when we're in that position. So I kind of thought when we got it to nil-nil at the break, I thought, well, actually, it's probably the best position that we can be in. Obviously, we know what we're like when we're one down. Um, I think it was probably a bit too much to think that we were going to get anything out of that first half when when you looked at it on the balance of play. We, we had all of the ball, but doing nothing with it. I mean, we've said that, you know, God knows how many times this season. So, yeah, when it came to uh, half time and we were we were level, I actually thought that suited us quite well. Um, and particularly like Parker and, and how he likes to sort of grind out these results. Yeah, and and Ben, I mean, you wrote the halftime thoughts on on Twitter, and and some of the things you yeah. said were, you know, we were lacking presence without Mitrovic. Bobby was dropping too wide. Uh, there was no bodies in the box, but we were too slow in a in a high pressure game. And one of the things you said was that Tom Kearney, as we know and love him, may have have gone in, in terms mm. of how he played. Do you think he changed that in the second half? Because I thought it was a massively improved performance from the skipper. Yeah, I, I had that written down in some of my notes in the pre-prep that um, actually what I'd written at the halftime thoughts actually become wildly inaccurate about 48 minutes into that game um, because he just became a totally different person. He started to drive with the ball. He, he started to look for, for gaps in and around and 
actually was giving us quite a lot of impetus um, in that second half. I think it was, uh, to use a cliche, sort of like a performance of two halves from Tom Kenny there. Um, he really grew into the game as it went on. And I think as soon as we got that first goal, it felt like the shackles were, were really released from, from Tom. We started to see him get in and around the box more, smaller darting runs, quicker recycling of possession and just smaller touches, clever touches in and around the box. AF, it, it seems like it's probably the time to, to come to this goal. Um, and out of kind of nowhere, Fulham had been okay, you know, for, for the opening part. And then suddenly Josh Onema turned into Maradona and it was just miraculous in so many ways. He just looked like he was walking through bodies like they weren't there. It was, wasn't it? I mean, it, it, what was also miraculous, he only took four touches in that goal, really. He took it past four players and then it's already in the net. But he's taken it past most of their team in that. And it actually reminded me of kind of Kenny against... You know, the goals he used to score maybe two seasons ago. So what's lovely is that we've got Kearney coming back into the game in the second half. But then you've got Onoma doing Kearney-like things as well and scoring amazing, as you say, Maradona-like goals. Yeah, for sure. And then, I mean, from there, Drew, it was all Fulham. It was one-way traffic. And and something that has to be said, we're going to come on a little bit later to, to Scott Parker and the way he managed the game, was that he didn't go five at the back because we were in such control of the game and, and credit to him. Yeah, it was so steady and controlled. And we've said this before where recently, especially after lockdown and this run after our first couple of defeats, we're, we're, we're so work workmanlike and so sort of... We, we, we really know how to control a game when we're up. And, you know, much has been said about the other side when we're down. But when we're up, we are up. And and you could just tell from when we when Josh scored that goal, which to me, although it was a different, completely different circumstances and a different goal, it just reminded me of somewhat a little bit of Davis against uh, Hamburg, just the way he just sort of done so many players in one go and, uh, and just so coolly slotted it away. It was, it was just so... It was just so great from Josh. It was probably the best goal I've seen this season, without a doubt. But, uh, yeah, I mean, after that... Um, we were just so strong and uh, it was just so professional, such a professional performance. There was no worry whatsoever. I just sort of sat back and, and enjoyed it. Really. AF uh, skipper Sammy James tweeted saying it was already one of his favourite ever Fulham goals. Um, I can see why you might think that. And, uh, do you know, we talk about this in, in sometimes and we think about goals and, and what their importance are. And actually, a lot of people's favourite Fulham goals come from the moments they were and how crucial they were at the time they were scored. Does that kind of change? One, obviously, this is in a huge game, a massive game for Fulham, and and it's an incredibly important goal. Um, does that hinge on whether Fulham go up or not this season, do you reckon? I think it's got to have a large impact on it. But for me, my favourite Fulham goals are always, as you say, ones that have a bigger impact in, in bigger games because you're more likely to remember them than necessarily, you know, I still remember though, like a one nil winner for Mitrovic last last minute in against like um, Huddersfield last yeah, yeah. season, and it's, mm. it's it's one of those that you kind of remember. But yeah, I think uh, the the kind of impetus from from Onoma and scoring some regular goals in important games means that you know when we're looking towards second leg and even a potential final, having players in form like Onoma is obviously giving us a much better chance of promotion alongside you know the likes of Niskin Skibano, who's absolutely on fire at the moment. Ben. You know, we we then relaxed massively, and the way we started to play was at times reminiscent of Slavisa's side. There was some lovely one-touch football in the opposition box. There was, you know, complete and utter control. It didn't look at one point like we were going to get that second goal, but we were massively on top for such large swathes of the game after that. Yeah, it really was like a a, a nice harking back to some of the football we saw under Slav. I think. 
they done some excellent analysis uh, on Sky Sports talking about how the fullbacks were operating in the second half. As in, in the first half, we had both fullbacks pushing on. It was leaving us a little bit exposed. But then in the second half, what we did was we changed the fullbacks slightly. Um, and we had um, a sort of a balance where one of them went forward and the other one would tuck in a sort of like a third centre half or sort of like a deeper line uh, midfield player in sort of like a defensive role. And that really shored up the balance. It meant that Tom Kenny could get forward a little bit more. It meant that Josh Onomah could push on and get him in and around Bobby Reid, who, as as we t- touched on earlier in the podcast, looked a little bit isolated. And, and it wasn't until Onomah started to get in and around Bobby Reid that we really had that that chance and the opportunity to start impacting the wings and those deeper positions behind the fullbacks. And that's where that sort of hallmark, that trademark of Slavisa style football that Parker tries to implement really started to come to the fore. And I think had we had a presence in the box there, maybe even an Abu uh, had he played centrally um, or like a Mitrovic had he been available to us at that time, we would have been, you know, two, three, three, no up at the end, at the end of this game. But I thought, that tactical change gave us much more balance. It also uh, took some of the pressure off Harrison Reed, who again was excellent today, knitting everything together. Uh, and it just allowed us to flourish as soon as we went 1-0 up. As I said uh, in, the t- in the TC segment, kind of felt like shackles were off uh, and Fulham were comfortable and, and they were expressing themselves because they knew they had that game won. Drew, it got to the last minute. The game was comfortable, even at 1-0. Didn't really look like we were going to throw it away. And then... Cardiff give away a silly free kick on the edge of their box. And Niskas Cabano just goes, no, Tom Kenny, I'm having this. I'm Fulham's free kick specialist. And then proceeds to just drop it top bin. And it's becoming, you know, an incredibly weird but regular occurrence uh, for Fulham fans. Three in three from him, from direct free kicks. I mean, what's happened? Where has this come from? Because, you know, Niskas Cabano hasn't been taking free kicks even when he's been on the field for, for a long time and suddenly he's just been like, oh, by the way, I'm really good at free kicks. I know. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 well, I was watching the game with a, a non-Fulham supporting mate and uh, and Niskins and Kearney stood over the ball and then uh, he's like, well, it's Kearney, right? And I was like, actually, <laughs> no, it, no, it's not. Um, and he, he I, you know, he knew Niskins Cabana from the chance at the cottage, but, uh, you know, a couple of seasons ago, but that's what, that's the extent in which he knew and I had to explain to him what the uh, the, the last two weeks and then, 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 as I saw him stand over the ball, I was like, "It's actually almost too good a position. Um, it's probably too close." And, and then, obviously, uh, he goes and proves me wrong, and we're off the sofa. But um, it's just a lovely, it's a lovely one of those little lovely footnotes at the end of the season where you know sometimes you get people who sort of come into their own. And, and Neeskins has been part of the furniture now for quite some time, but he's 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 got this chance. He sees it with both hands, and and I'm absolutely loving it because you know you can tell with the sort of players. Uh, who come in and who really love the club and who really want to try and make a difference. And Neeson's has always been one of those players. So it's I think everybody is is loving seeing that. Um, and it was the icing on the cake of that second half performance where, you know, when we got relegated from the Premier League first time, we were like a fish out of water until Slavisa came along. And then we rode this sort of emotional wave up to Wembley and went up. And this time it feels so different where we are... Uh, we're the veterans almost of this sort of this playoff game and we know the we know what is at stake and we know what needs to be done and we're doing it in such a professional sort of un uh there's no sort of pomp and circumstance we're just going about our business and and it was really great to get that second goal because as you said we were so comfortable in the second half if we finished one nil that story wouldn't necessarily be told so it was great for Neeskins to get that free kick but it was also great for us to put a full stop on what was a really great second half performance. Absolutely. And it changes the outcome 
or at least the face of the second leg so much is something that we'll come on to after the break. Um, but AF, I just want to talk about, you know, that experience that Drew's just touched on there. And how much do you think that plays a part? Because Cardiff last time, you know, they went up, went up automatically. They didn't go through the heartache and heartbreak of the playoffs, the, you know, the stress and emotion that comes through. Yes, of course, Neil Harris as a manager and a player has gone through this numerous times, but that experience in the squad and, you know, you, you look at the squad and while there have been changes, there are still a lot of players in the uh, in the 18, but also in the kind of wider squad who have been there and done that in, in this kind of thing. How much of a, an effect do you think that has? I think it has a massive effect. I was uh, I was saying on a previous pod actually as well, like even having the likes of, you know, like Ke- Kevin McDonald around the squad, uh, you know, Tim Bream, he was there he, in the previous uh, instance of this as well. And having the heartbreak, uh, you know, against Reading all those seasons ago, it feels like a thing of the past. They used to call the playoffs a bit of a lottery. And I think I do still think it can be a lottery, but if you actually have the experience, you know how to negotiate that pressure. And this was a very different Fulham performance to what we normally see. We were, you know, measured in the first half, I think is the nicest way of describing it. But we were managing the game to the point that we knew that it would become, there would be spaces for us to, you know, exploit. And when it comes to second half, we obviously make that count. So we have to just hope that that experience does play the same kind of part in the second leg and maybe even a final. Ben, I just want to finish this half and the kind of look back at the game with some thoughts on Scott Parker, who I thought was perfect today. You know, he's had to make a difficult decision in terms of leaving Mitrovic out, you know, for the better of long-term health, perhaps, or or maybe the injury is worse than is being made out. But either way, he's shuffled his pack. He's rode out quite a tricky little beginning there for Fulham, and he's managed this game absolutely perfectly. And we gave him a lot of you know, stick for not being proactive in the game against Brentford, for not being reactive enough in the game against Leeds to be able to change the face of the game. But today, he, you know, he rode it out perfectly. He saw the moment for Abu, who who came on and, and sort of rested it back in our favour when things were slightly looking to turn the tide. And, and that in itself managed to hand control of the game back to Fulham. Uh, and also, you know, just basically has got things right today. And for that, must be given massive credit. Yeah, I, I do feel the same way as you, Jack. I feel like he deserves a huge pat on the back for the way he's handled himself, especially today. Um, when you have a decision as big as, as that to make and you and you have the balls to, to pull it off, I think it, it shows tremendous uh, um, maturity, especially for a manager that's, that's that young. And uh, let's not forget that he also had uh, a, a player that had made himself a key asset to the squad over the past seven games, Harry Arter, was also missing entirely out of the squad too. No word on him just yet, but that's two big that's two big blows he's had to take there. Um, obviously, a guy that has scored twenty plus goals this this season is is the golden boot, is the tal- talisman for Fulham, but also a defensive midfielder who, whilst not entirely popular with the fans for the way he plays, has provided us with with an extra layer of defence um, and and some good balance. But as you say, Jack, the the in game. Uh, decisions that he's had to make uh, today alone, I think, justify a, a massive round of applause for, for Scott to to understand that you have to have more defensive solidity in playoff games um, is something that that we've discussed over the past few weeks, uh, and we've basically said how this Fulham team have, have been transforming from a, a team that was perhaps looking to be a little bit more free flowing and expressive, but couldn't quite do it to actually accepting the fact that they're going to have to transform into a playoff team 
that were more solid, that were able to hold on to victories, that were, were able to be balanced across the pitch. Um, and I think that today um, was was one of the final results that we will get where we have seen that transformation into a playoff team. And as you say, introducing AK-47, the change at fullback to, pro- to provide more defensive solidity and therefore pushing the midfield on was great. Uh, and I think he's, over the past three or four uh, weeks, so six or seven games, has achieved real balance with this squad. Um, and it's potentially one that isn't in his footballing philosophy. So I think, yeah, a big pat on the back for me from, from Scott. And I think he's he's more than justified his plaudits over the past few weeks. For sure. Right, we will be back after the break looking forward to the reverse leg and answering a stack of your questions. So don't go anywhere. If you'd like to support the work we do on Fulhamish, then please consider backing us on our Kofi page. On there, you can buy us a beer and this money goes towards the day-to-day running of Fulhamish, which is a bit more expensive to keep going than you might think. Our Kofi backers get access to our exclusive Facebook group, receive a discount on our merch store and receive regular updates from the team. However, we want to keep all our content free to all and we don't believe in paywalls. So please only support us if you want to. You can either support us monthly or just as a one-off payment. And to do so, head to ko-fi.com forward slash Fulhamish. Kofi is spelt K-O-F-I. That's ko-fi.com forward slash Fulhamish. Thank you very much. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. My name is Jack Collins and I'm joined by Ben Jarman. Tech like Onoma. <laughs> Adam Farkarson. Evening. And Drew Heatley. Hello. We're still basking in the glory, aren't we? It's um, it's lovely doing pods on nights like this because it just sort of radiates. Everyone wants to talk. Everybody wants, you know, to to praise people. And it feels, you know, happy. You come out of these podcasts and you're not like, oh, I'm real sad. You're like, yeah, the buzz is still going. I haven't stopped smiling. <laughs> I don't think I've come down from Onima's goal yet. It was insane. My um, I live in a flat above someone and I was doing the old, you know, big, goal and the old like you know shouting and that and then he texted me saying have you just got one nil up I was like yeah sorry about that mate <laughs> so he's not, he's not happy with me it wasn't just yeah it wasn't any goal though was it it, it was Josh Onoma's absolute masterclass and uh you know we'll, we'll come on well we've talked about Onoma already but I'm sure there are going to be plenty of questions about him as well and before we do that let's get on to this second leg right we, we play Cardiff again in three days time and I, I've just um Praise Scott Parker, and rightly so. Um, but today, Fulham made two substitutions of note. Um, and for that, we've a lot of players that have gone and played 90 minutes and have to go again and play 90 minutes in three days' time. Drew, are you slightly worried about, about that? Or was it just one of those things where we had to see out the game, get it done, and now the time for rotation begin? Yeah, I think we've now... I mean, the key, the really good thing about this this uh, result, the scoreline, is that we can... Uh, tweak the tweak the side. You know, nobody's going to make wholesale changes. It's, you know, two nil, uh, essentially at half time. You know, we're not idiots. Uh, but Scott has now earned himself a little bit of breathing space to be able to make these changes. And I expect if Mitro's back, he's coming straight back in. I, I think any sort of argument not to bring him in is kind of redundant. He is our top scorer. He's a championship goal. He will come back in. We can play really well without him, and that's a testament to us. But we can also, you know, we're not shit with him in the, t- in the side. Do you know what I mean? So he's going to come back. Um, but he can, uh, Scott can roll the dice a little bit and rest one or two players, I think. Um whether, you know, and we've seen actually against, you know, Sheffield Wednesday, he managed to do that uh, quite well in terms of the way he tweaked the side, bringing Cabano in and and just, and also in the Wigan game with Reed out with suspension, he, he knows how to sort of uh, 
to really sort of fine tune that. So I think I think we will see that in the second leg, and I think he's earned the right. Yeah, I mean, this is it. We have you know decisions to make now, but decisions are in our own hands. AF, would you be bringing Mitrovic back in if he's fit, or would you actually probably take that risk and be like, look, if you're even slightly at risk of becoming injured again, then get yourself on the bench. We'll bring you on if we need you. Um, and we play on the counter against a, a Cardiff side. Well, not on the counter with Fulham, but uh, you know, with, with some sort of speed and and directness uh, against a Cardiff side that now actually have to come at us and have to put the pressure on, and we'll have to leave gap. I I would agree with Drew in the fact that if he is actually fully well, not fully fit, if he's fit enough to play a game, I would start Mitrovic. I don't think there's any reason not to. Uh, but it's also not what he just brings at the top of the pitch. It's what he brings defensively as well. Cardiff are going to be throwing a lot at us. They're going to be throwing a lot of men forward. And we know that uh, Mitrovic can be just as helpful back in our own box as he can attacking. So I actually would have him straight back into the squad. But it might also be a thing that if we manage to go 1-0 up in the second leg, maybe you're able to take off Mitrovic. Maybe you're able to give some other players a rest as well. I'm actually more worried about uh, Harrison Reid. He obviously, as soon as he got a knock in that game, I was seriously worried about yeah, his head in hands moment. It was. It, that, I was more worried about that than Mitrovic not starting the game. And I think that shows that I want him to start the second leg. But if he starts to tire in any way, you need to be um, saving him and taking Ben, how, how do you feel? Because I actually probably disagree slightly. About putting Mitrovic in next week. Yeah. I feel like if it's an unnecessary risk at the moment, is this moment in time, it's um, we've proved in the two games that we played against Cardiff since lockdown that we don't need Mitrovic to to win this to win both of those games. And I think that today we looked actually at times a lot more comfortable without him than we do with him at at, at points, just because um, we had a bit more fluidity up front in the second half when we get Onoma in and around uh, Bobby Reed. Obviously, as, as AF and Drew rightly say, like he he offers a lot going back uh, in the box and, and defensively because he's such a unit. At, at corners, and I think, judging by Neil Harris's post-match interview today, he's going to be throwing everything at Fulham in the first fifteen minutes of this upcoming tie uh, in three days' time. Harris is not happy at all. He's basically saying that we're we're celebrating like we've won the tie already. Um, and you know, if you know Neil Harris and you know that Millwall side he used to have, and you know the the personality of the man, it's going to get rough in three days' time at the cottage. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that kind of brings me on to a point about Harry Artov who was also missing today and, and potentially has a hamstring strain but if it is going to get rough and ready at the cottage is Harry Artov Drew someone that you'd actually want in or is he too much of a hothead because I actually potentially think that that kind of grit and uh, and kind of energy in the middle would be exactly what Scott would be looking for if Millwall, uh, Millwall if Cardiff are going to come out all guns blazing. Do you know what? Uh, no, I, I've been quite critical of Arta this season in terms of like it's the sort of the the maverick nature that we see. We lord in Kamara, uh, but we 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 don't like in Arta uh, just because of the different areas of the pitch that they operate in. I agree with you, Jack. I think I'd bring him in in the second leg if we can because you know we we exactly that. You know, I think that as Ben said, it's going to be it's going to be uh, physical. It's going to be quite brutal. Uh, and I think, you know, it'd be great to bring somebody in there 
to give us that sort of that edge as well because you know if you look around uh, look around the pitch there aren't too many more people who are who have that sort of uh, that sort of side to their game that sort of overt aggression um, and if he can channel it the right way I think it could be a, a, a real asset and maybe that's why he didn't play in that first leg because uh, Scott didn't want him to blow his load in the first leg and, and miss the cottage uh, tie who knows <laughs> well he, can, he went off with a hamstring strain against Wigan so I, I would imagine that a lot of it rests on actually how fit he is I'm going to just sort of roll into a couple of questions on this kind of thing but um, John says would you start Kearney AF he says they'll be up and at us Josh Reed and Steph or Harry Arter would give us a better defense and of late better goal scoring chances now Kearney has probably just had the best 45 minutes in a Fulham shirt since if not you know if, if not Bristol City then then definitely since the break um, and I think that he's been very very he was very very effective in that second half do you risk him against what is going to be an out-and-out physical Cardiff barrage? I think you still risk him because of the, what he can give you. You know, as soon as you give him the ball, you feel a little bit more safe. So it's about actually creating space as well. When we do, we do need to still get out of our box. We can't just fight Cardiff for the first 45 or the full 90 minutes. We are still going to need some players to play good football. And if Kearney is on the same form that he was in the second half, I'd absolutely start him. Um, but it's one of those things you've got to judge as well how he is in training. Because if you actually see, you know, maybe that game took a lot out of him. He did play the, the full 90. So maybe if that took a lot out of him, maybe you're actually thinking, let's weather the storm a bit and then bring Kearney on later on in the second. Um, Henry says, given we have a two-goal lead, would you start with Parker Ball five at the back? I'm going to come to you, Ben. Absolutely not. Um, I feel like a five at the back in theory is something that's that would be a good thing to implement uh, because you would expect Cardiff to come at us really, really early, lots of balls into the box um, and trying to get people in and around their striker. However, I don't like Fulham playing five at the back. I don't think it suits our squad and it also doesn't give us the best balance. Um, balance seems to be the, the key word for today's podcast, by the way. Um, but I feel like um, it, it, it five at the back just doesn't suit the squad we've got. It leaves too much, too many gaps in midfield that either Kenny, Harrison, Reed, uh, and Josh can't, they can't take all of that space by themselves. Um, although it feels potentially right to do five at the back, I feel like we shouldn't be backing down on home turf and we can definitely beat Cardiff again uh, in three days' time. Drew, and, and to kind of flip that onto you, Charlie Kip asks, will the two goals tonight be enough to see us through to the final or do we need one more? I think that two goals should be absolutely enough to see us through and if it isn't, then questions need to be asked. I mean, you know, you get that 2-0 as the uh, most dangerous scoreline in football, which I've always, uh, I've always poo-pooed because I think it's nonsense. Having said that, obviously, this is a two-legged tie. This isn't a two, uh, just one game. So we've got a whole game to go. And anything can happen. But no, in short, two should be enough. Um, with the squad that we have, we finished eight points above Cardiff in the league. Uh, let's not forget that. You know, this this playoff is a uh, this playoff group is a as a sort of tale of two sides on each on you know, each side of uh, the second and third. Uh, sorry, the third and fourth and the fifth and sixth. Uh, you know, the, the Cardiff and Swansea are coming up from behind, and and they're in a completely different league to to Brentford and us over the course of. 46 games so it should be enough um but you know anything can happen in this in this crazy sky bet championship it's a it's a mad league that's uh, very much not to be denied um there's a couple of questions here although i enjoyed this kind of aside from matt pettit who says not a question but the niskin side stand has a ring to it 
hashtag top bins, bottom bins, cardboard box, uh, which I, I'm fully in favour of. Um, AF, quick one for you. In, in, in you know, looking at the other semi final, um, it's not important not to get too ahead of ourselves, but with you know one foot there, I think that you can start to maybe have a look at it. Um, he says an out of form Brentford or a charging Swans, which I think is an, an interesting question. Who would you who would you rather be facing, or who are you going to? Let's not say that. Let's say who would you be looking to win that game on Wednesday night? I'm still looking towards Swansea uh, to win that game because you know I was happy when they took the lead in in the tie. Um, I'm still looking to play Swansea, but it's it's one of those difficult situations because if um, Brentford actually do manage to overturn their one nil lead. Uh, well, Swansea's 1-0 lead and they come back into it. Well, Brentford are back on form and I really wouldn't want to be playing. You could also argue that Swansea are massively on form. You know, they've won a lot of games to get themselves into the playoffs. Uh, you know, have they got that form behind them? It's a difficult decision, uh, but I, I'd probably still want to play Swansea because over the course of the season, as uh, Drew mentioned, they are not quite the same level team that we have been uh, throughout the course of the season. And without, you know, tempting fate and without sounding too negative, Ben, uh, a, sw- a loss to Swansea would probably be a, a fair bit easier to swallow than a loss to Brentford. Well, yeah, massively. Um, I do feel I do feel that there's a part of me that says we're still working against fate because it just feels like it's written in the stars for Brentford to beat us at Wembley in the last game at Griffin, uh, the last season at Griffin Park. But that being said, I feel like if we did take on Swansea in the playoff final, we've played them twice. Um, they've had the better of us twice and we've still come away with six points. We know how to get it done against that team. So I think we could do it in a one-off game as well. Absolutely. Right, let's uh, look forward finally. There's been a couple more questions, but I think just before we we you know go round them off with a couple of, of random ones like Jack Kelly's, why are we the best team to support? Um, I'm going to just ask you how you would line up on Thursday night. And Ben, I'm going to start with you. Uh, I personally would go unchanged. Um, if Mitrovic isn't available, there's no there's no real reason to change up this team. I thought we had we had a good performance tonight. It was professional in all areas of the pitch. We're starting to see players that were 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 out of form or on the periphery of the squad come back into it um, and have key roles to play. Uh, see Cabano, uh, see Tom Kenny's second half performance, um, see Josh Onuma's incredible goal uh, and good form since lockdown. I feel like there's no point in changing a team that is that is in form and, and can trouble everyone in those in those playoffs. AF? I think the only change I'd probably make is uh, if Mitrovic is fit, I'd bring him in for Bobby Deckard over Rees. Um, I wouldn't necessarily start Harry Arter over any of those midfield three as it stands. Uh, so yeah, I'd probably go unchanged unless Mitrovic is fit again. And Drew? Yeah, Mitro in for Bobby if if that's possible. But, you know, there's there's three cogs to our midfield. So on the, on the centre of our midfield and, and so on, you know, the surface, it looks like it's quite a simple thing to do. But actually finding the balance within those three cogs has been a tough task for more than one manager. Uh, and at the moment, I feel like it's working really well. So there's no room for Arta for me. Um, and then the back four seems to be working fairly well as well. So even a freshly shaved Dennis has to, uh, has to stay on the bench for me. I'd, I'd leave it. I think the the only thing I would, would suggest is that considering how well we played today, that with Mitrovic in for Bobby Reid is probably how I would look to start the playoff final if we got there. Therefore, if we are to get there, I think that we probably need, might need to rotate a little bit. It's a lot of games in a lot of days here. Um, you know, it's easy to forget that we've played a lot of football since the restart and People, I think, are now back at full fitness. And I think that the fact that we made Cardiff chase today will be in our favour rather than, than theirs. And we will have done less miles in the tank 
than some of their players. But I would be worried about the the potential of burning out players like Niskins Cavano, players you know like Harrison Reed, who cover a lot of ground, who whose press has been was incredibly high today and incredibly effective at times, and that would worry me slightly, Ben. Um, yeah, I think so. I think with Harrison Reed, he's had that rest of of one game against Wigan. Um, and, and I think Cabano, it, there becomes a point, I know it sounds really cliche, when you're in form, you just want to get back out on the pitch and those little injuries that you may have or, or the tightness in some of the muscles disappear as soon as you get back into it. So I'm not overly concerned. I felt like if we if we had a squad that w- wasn't as deep as, as is, then then I'd be concerned. But we have quite a lot on the bench there. We've got Johansson there, just sat there, who didn't, who didn't even get a sniff today, unfortunately. Um, and then we have Abu Kamara, who's just coming back from injury. Uh, we have we still have Cavaliero there too in the wide position. So I'm not overly concerned. I think in playoffs it it becomes a totally different beast. And if you're in form, you're in form regardless of how sort of tired you really are. All right, couple of last questions. Uh, this one from Guardzilla which I just really like reading that out on air, to be honest. Um, he says, what was your sentiment going into the season on Onoma and Neeskins? At the time, it felt like Onoma was seen as an afterthought in the Cess deal and Neeskins looked down to be down the depth chart. Absolutely massive from them and on Parker for the voter confidence in both. I'll go to you, Aya. Yeah, I, I can totally see how they're appreciating the coaching of Parker, though. Like, you do see whenever Onoma scores, you run straight to Parker and you can see the faith that he's had in him. Um, from the outset, I was probably one that thought he was a bit of an add-on to the Cess deal. Um, it seemed like in the press we were getting announced that we were looking at other players as well from Spurs and we were asking them about the availability and we ended up with Onoma. Um, but actually, you can see why Scott wanted him in the team. He's starting to show you know, the flair that probably that you did see in the, in the Spurs youth team and he's really flourishing into a very important player for us. I didn't see that happening with Niskin Scabano. Uh, you know, he's been with us for a lot of seasons now and every time we have seen him, he's he's always shown as a substitute. You know, he's shown some flair. He's he's always managed to get a few crosses in, take some players on, but he's never necessarily always had the end product for us. So it's been kind of last chance saloon when he does come on. I thought he would have been out the door with when Aise kind of left the club as well. Um, I thought we might have put him out on loan this season, um, but, you know, he's, he's proved his worth and I think probably by having the likes of Caviero and Nokar and Kamara to actually compete with, it's probably made him better. So, you know, if he's 28, he's probably coming into the prime of his career and I'm just happy to have him at Fulham. Okay, and Drew, one more for you. Chris Inman says, does today's result increase the pressure on Brentford? They're in the middle of an epic collapse and it can't help to watch your rival cruise through a semi-final just south of where you... I hope I, I hope so. I honestly hope so. I mean, we've all we've all been through that sort of nightmare of uh, you know the Brentford final at Wembley and 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 them going up at our expense. That that truly would be, and, and it's not for the club necessarily itself. It's for just it's for the fans, isn't it? That's just the worst case scenario. I it would be really difficult to sort of overcome that. So yeah, I hope I hope it does pile it on. And you know, we've so much about the playoffs is about momentum. Um, and you know, we had that twenty three game momentum last time. Uh, ignoring the Birmingham game. And, and I feel like we've got a similar sort of momentum going on this time. Uh, and whereas Brentford had it, uh, I think, you know, those two blows towards the end where they, where they were literally in the driving seat and it sort of, uh, it fell away from them. I hope it does affect them because I'd, I'd rather play Swansea in the final if we if we managed to beat Cardiff in the second and get there. Um, so fingers crossed, fingers crossed it does. But, it, it, you know, it's a funny old game and the mental side of it is well documented. And I think uh, it will do more damage than, than you might think. 
my favorite moment of this week uh, involving those the, the lads from Hounslow was uh, Thomas Frank making up an Im- imaginary refereeing friend um, that he talked to before the post-match interview who was like I rang another referee and he said it was never a red and I was like uh all right there mate <laughs> you definitely didn't go into the changing room to talk to your players and just ring up a referee like what a strange decision that would have been and um, here last one for you ben uh, and i know this is one that's close to your own heart and Doyce kirkland says is cabano the greatest footballer in history undisputably yes thank you uh, that's all i needed and all that's left now to do is to name this episode so af i come to you perfect so we've got a three-word review uh, submitted by jake wilgos which is the championship maradona <laughs> it's just so good it's so Mate, good you see a couple of weeks ago i i, I criticized the puns for onoma there was so it, it just such a punnable name but none of them were coming off that is what i was looking for that is perfect yeah absolutely top jaw top draw congratulations that's a wonderful that's almost as good as Fulham's performance tonight well we go into Thursday full of confidence full of hope and you know fingers crossed that the boys can get their job done and get us over the line onto Wembley Way for the second time in the three seasons it will be a bit different obviously we won't be there Uh, my face won't be plastered all over Wembley Way but you know these are things that you'd imagine that Fulham will be able to cope with all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much to Drew Heatley Thank you very much, Jack. Uh, thank you very much to Adam Farkarson. Good night, God bless. And thank you very much to Ben Techlight on a Majama. Muito obrigado. I've been Jack Collins. This has been Fulhamish, your independent voice of Fulham FC. We'll see you for the second leg, gang. Take it easy. Enjoy the win. Bye-bye. Doodles.